Good morning to you. I love having a pastor whose eyes tear up out of love for his people. Um, I hope you know that God is blessing this church in these days, and I still rejoice in being part of it. It's one of the greatest joys and privileges of my life and Carolyn's life to continue to be here and to love this church and love you and care about what God is doing. And I, we see so many wonderful things. It just, it blesses us. We're, we're grateful. We're grateful also to be part of your missionary family. For those of you who don't know, our, our ministry these days is a travel overseas. I just got back from Myanmar. You know where Myanmar is? Burma, uh, where we train pastors, train and equip and teach pastors. And that's what I do these days. Hey, we had last year, yes, last year, three times in Nepal and it's a great privilege to go places and reach out and encourage and equip and teach pastors who have never had an opportunity to go to Bible college or have any training for the ministry, like whatsoever. Uh, they say in Nepal, something like 90% of the pastors have had no training at all. How would you like to have a pastor who didn't ever have any training, equipping, education, or ability to teach the Word of God? You see a problem there? That's why we go. So pray for us, if you would, and thank you for those of you who pray and give. And if you don't, God have mercy on your sin-sick soul. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I hope you have adopted a missionary in our church family, and you pray for them and, and give to them. It's a real privilege and joy for me to, to share with you. I'm just grateful for the invitation, brother. Thank you. And 19 years for Royal Family Kids Camp. It was 20 years ago that our children's pastor and I went to hear about Royal Family Kids Camp. We both sat there and listened to this thing and we said, this is something we have to do. And over the years, so many of you have been invested in this, your time and effort, and energy, your love. You've given yourself to love these kids and now a thousand kids. That just boggles me. I don't know if it does you or not, but that's that's pretty dang amazing. Oh, you can't say dang, can you? Sorry. <laughs> Wipe that. Okay. Um, so much more I'd like to say about those things. But take your Bible now and turn to the Gospel of John, John chapter 21, if you would. I want to share with you what I believe is a very simple message. Uh, I like simple. Um, a very simple message really about one question that Jesus Christ asks. Uh, you know John chapter 21 is after the resurrection of Jesus, and it's one of the final resurrection appearances of Jesus. He, he tells the disciples to go on ahead of me into Galilee, and I will meet you there. And so they go, and they go to Galilee, and of course this is Peter and all of his friends, and many of them are fishermen, and they wait for Jesus to contact them there, and they wait, and nothing happens, and after a while Peter says, I'm going fishing. So Peter gets in his boat, and all the other disciples go with him, and they go fishing, which is what Peter loved to do. And they're fishing, and they, in those days, they fished all night by throwing nets over the side of the boat, you know, and then, like, scooping up the fish. So in the morning, uh, they're rowing back to shore, and they haven't caught one fish. So then uh, there is some guy standing on the shore, and he asked the question you should never ask a fisherman, who has never caught a fish. He said, don't you have any fish? And they say, no. 
no fish. So this man says, throw your net onto the right side of the boat. Now, some people think Jesus doesn't have a sense of humor, uh, but I, I want to tell you, this is funny. Um, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And so they do, and suddenly the net's full of all these fish, you know, and they can't even you know, get it into the boat, and so they start getting over towards land. And then it dawns on Peter who this is, because this is a repeat of what happened back in Luke chapter 5. And that's the time that Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Remember? I mean, if you want to get a fisherman's attention, do something like this. So Peter says, it's the Lord. He jumps out of the boat and swims and wades to the shore to try to get to Jesus before all the rest of the disciples. And then the story goes on, and they find Jesus sitting around a campfire with coals, and he's roasting fish, and he has some bread. And so he gathers them all together. He says, well, let's go get the fish first. They go get all the fish, bring some of the fish. And so Jesus serves them breakfast. This is the resurrected Lord. And he serves them breakfast. And they're all sitting around the campfire. And they're looking at him. And then this happens. John chapter 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times, do you love me? There are many layers here and... When you get to John chapter 21, you can unpack the layers. There's so much happening here. But I, I mean, we could focus on, on the fact that the word love is translated a couple different ways. One time it's agapeo, another time it's phileo. We could focus there. Sometimes people focus here. And this is Jesus' attempt to reclaim Peter and bring him back into the ministry so he penetrates his heart because Peter denied him three times. And now Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? You could debate, we can debate about what Jesus meant when he said, do you love me more than these? And the scholars say, what is the these? Is it the nets and the boat? What, what is it? The fishing? Is that it? Or is, the, or is it, do you love me more than the rest of these disciples love me? Because you remember, Peter had boasted, even if everyone turns away from you, I never will. I'll, I'll lay down my life for you. Peter boasted, but he also denied Jesus. What I'd like to ask you to do is to sort of lay aside all the other things, the inter interesting things. And the teacher part of me really wants to go there. But I want to ask you to focus in on the question of Jesus. Four words in English. Do you love me? Because the main thing Jesus wants is for you to love him. I hope you agree with me on that. And I hope you understand also that Jesus is asking us the same question. Do you love me? 
How would you answer? Love is what Jesus seeks. It's what he's always been after. Not because he's sort of some insecure, lovelorn person who says, somebody please love me. He's not that at all. Really, he's asking the question because he knows that in the question and the answer is the very best for us. It's significant to me that Peter doesn't, or Jesus doesn't ask Peter, do you believe in me? Peter, will you follow me? Will you preach for me? Will you serve me? Will you suffer? He doesn't ask any of those things, not here. He doesn't even ask Peter, will you never deny me again? He says, Peter, do you love me? Do you? My friends, Jesus Christ asks you that again today. Do you love me? Now, maybe you're new to this whole church thing and Christianity or Jesus, and you're not even sure what this is about. So I would just say, relax, and maybe God will help you in some way, but come back. But for the rest of you, I look around, and I know a lot of you, and I know a lot of you have walked with Jesus for a long, long time. And I want to say to you, my friends, Jesus is asking you, do you love me? Do you? How would you answer? Jesus knows without love, there's like no vitality, there's no life, there's really no joy in our relationship. And love is the thing that makes Christianity unique, different from every other religion. Love is the thing that gives us joy, that enables us to persevere, enables us to continue. Love is the thing that that gives heart, if you will, to our religion. What would you say? Do you love me? I could say, Lord, I've preached a lot of sermons about you. I've gone to like innumerable church services. I've sang a lot of songs. I've even given money. You know, I take communion a lot. You know. And he asked me the same question. Yes, but do you love me? What would be your answer? How would you answer that? What do you think in your mind and in your heart? And I repeat again to you, the main thing Jesus wants from you is for you to love him. It's a question you can't really avoid, and you shouldn't want to avoid it, really. You have to stop and ask, well, what is this love? What is love? I mean, people have been asking that for a long time. We're a little confused about love. Most people are. We go back and forth about what love is. A lot of times we we sort of submit to our culture and we think that love is primarily about what I feel, my emotions. And and I I understand that. Uh, But then for me, you know, as like a Bible teacher, I'm quick to say, yes, but you remember that Jesus said, if you love me, you will, what? Do what I command you to do. And so what I have done is I've, I've equated loving with doing. You know, if you love me, you will do so. And that's easier for me. Like, I'm a man, after all. And so that's, like, easier for me to get a hold of. And love is really about doing, isn't it? So what is it? Is it feeling or is it doing? What do you think? Here's where my wife, Carolyn, helps me. I say to Carolyn, honey, I love you. She looks at me and she says, why? 
Now, I don't know what that does to you, but that turns me into a tongue-tangled, wordless buffoon, you know, and suddenly I do not know what to say, you know, uh, uh, why? So I, I'm trying to recapture the moment, so I say, because you're so wonderful. And she says, yeah, right. Yeah. I say, well, no, no, I, I, I love you because of all the things that you do for me. Wrong answer. Then she says, oh, so you love me because I do stuff for you? And I realize I'm digging this hole deeper and deeper. And, and then I say, well, I do a lot of things for you because I love you. And she says, I appreciate the things you do for me. And then she pauses and she says, I want more want more. Do you get that? I want more. Everybody you love wants more. Can love just be required? Can you just command it? Jesus seemed to think so. The Old Testament says, remember the greatest commandment of all is love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's a pretty massive command. And when you think about it, I have a little bit more ease loving God with all of my strength, which is about doing, or loving God with all my mind, which is about believing. But when we get to love God with all your soul, do you know what that means? How, how, would, you def, how would you help somebody understand it? Love God with all your heart. Is that even possible? Jesus said, this is the greatest one of all. So now he says, do you love me? Do you? Love is what makes Christianity matchless, incomparable to any other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world has morals and values and, and traditions and, and, and beliefs and things that, that they do, uh, good works. But genuine, real, authentic Christianity is a relationship of love. It's always been that way. And that is why Jesus asks, do you love me? It's really all about being loved by God and loving God. Love is the necessity, isn't it? Fear of God is necessary, but Jesus is not first asking for us to fear him. Believing God is necessary. That's the way of salvation, faith. But Jesus is not first asking us for us to believe him. He's not even asking, first of all, for us to obey him. First of all, he's asking, do you love me? He asks it not because he doesn't know the answer. He does. So why does he ask it? Two reasons, I think. One is he wants us to search ourselves. I don't know if you're doing this now. I hope you are. I hope you're actually searching yourself about how would I answer the question. If I was sitting around the campfire and Jesus looking me in the eye and he said, do you love me? What would you say? What would you do? Would you have an answer for that? I think you probably would. What would it be? He wants us to continually search ourselves. Do I love Jesus? I do a lot of other stuff, but do I love him? And the other reason he asked this is because there is a greater, deeper, more joyful, stabilizing love for Jesus that you can have. 
There is a greater, deeper, more stabilizing love for Jesus that you can have. He promises you this. So what should we do? Well, I think we should ponder, is this even important? Is it, like, does it even show up on our radar screen? Is this important at all? And then, then I think we need to like, evaluate our own love life to him. What, in what way do we love him? What do we think about that? How would we respond? What is my love for Jesus like? How would I answer him? What would I tell other people about him? And then I think we need to decide whether I want to grow in my love for him. And I want to tell you, I do. I so deeply do. I don't want to show up one day in glory and see his face and realize the massive way in which he has loved me and realize my love for him has been so pathetically weak. I don't want to show up that day, on that day like that. Do you get that, what I'm trying to say to you? And, and someday, I, I, you know, I'm getting a little older, and one of these days I'm going to lay my head down, and the pastor's going to have to come you know, and visit me and says, you're about out of here, brother. And, and I want to be able to say, on that day, I want to be able to say with confidence that this is what I've wanted all my life is to see his face. On that day, I want to be able to say with confidence, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want to be able to boldly say, to depart and to be with Jesus is better by far. So how can we grow in our love for Jesus? Good question. I'm glad you asked that. Let's think about that a little bit. How can we grow in our love for Jesus? If that's your desire, is that your desire? Are you with me on this? You're a little quiet. Is this your desire? You want to love Jesus more? Can you imagine sitting around the fire and having him ask you that? Wouldn't you like, before you go, to see him and stand in his presence to know that your love was amazing for him as well as his amazing love for you? What can we do? Well, the first thing I think is we need to be honest with ourselves, right? I mean, let's start there. That's the best place to start usually. So let's be honest with ourselves and, and, and tell him he's worthy of a greater love than you now have. Is that true? I mean, is that true? Okay, I can hear you, almost. So, so yes, it's definitely true. He's worthy of a greater love than I now have. And, and the other thing is that you want to grow to be more deeply in love with him before you die, don't you? Of course, of course. But remember this, that we have very little ability within ourselves to stir up more love for him. Have you discovered that? You know, somebody else talk about this and you'll say, okay, I'm going to love him more. And you're trying to work it up within yourself. Anytime you try to respond to something like this by focusing on yourself, you're usually making a mistake. So remember, the answer is not by focusing on yourself and trying to make yourself love somebody more. Have you tried to do that? It's very difficult to do, actually. So how can I grow in my love for Jesus? First of all, be honest. And the second thing is simply by asking, how much did Jesus love me? This is the key. How much did he love me? And you have an answer for that, don't you? You know that. You have, you have some pretty good understanding of that if you've been around for very long. 
When it comes to a love relationship, we always want the other person to say, I love you first. Have you noticed that? Like, if you, if you step out and you say it first and they don't respond in an appropriate reciprocal way, then, ooh, this is bad, you know. But Jesus has already initiated it. Jesus has already said, I love you. Hasn't he? He said it first. He loved me and he gave himself up for me, the Bible said. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. For Peter, it was like so obvious. Peter, I mean... Peter just could have just thought in that moment how much Jesus has loved him. While he never even knew who Jesus was, Jesus came after him and brought him to himself and brought him close to himself and helped him to understand how wonderful Jesus was. To actually walk with him for three years until Jesus fell in love with him and saw how magnificent he was. And then finally, Jesus loved him all the way through this denial even. Suffered on a cross for him rose again, and now is reaching out to Peter one more time to bring him to himself. What we need to do, of course, is we need to spend a little bit more time and effort and energy learning and focusing on how much he loved me. If you want to love Jesus more, the first thing to do is to think about how much he loved you. And here's where our struggle is, because we're busy. We're really, really busy people. Really, really busy. Really, 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 really busy. We hardly have time for anything, right? You don't have time for any one more thing to add to your plate. So now I'm suggesting that it might be a priority for you to love Jesus. And you're saying, oh, yeah, maybe that fits in there somewhere. And maybe it's a priority for me to focus on how much he loves me again. Think about him. Think about how he came. He came for us. Think about what he was like when he came. How amazing he was. His incredible compassion. His deep desire to help people to know his father. His great heart to rescue people who are lost. His amazing patience with people. His teaching them. His loving them. His healing. His power. And then finally his cross. His amazing cross and his forgiveness, his complete and total 100% forgiveness of everything you have ever done. How great is that? Love for Jesus will increase the better you know him. If you honestly say, I don't know that I love him very much today, you might not say that here, but you might admit it to yourself, then I would simply suggest to you, not in a derogatory, punitive way, you just don't know him very well. You don't know him very well. Because you can't know him very well and, and fail to love him. You just can't. The more you spend time loving, getting to know him and looking at him, that's why you read the Bible, by the way, 
You know, you should just spend a little bit more time in the gospel and just look at look into the eyes of Jesus as he goes from here to here to here and talks to people and the things that he does and how he acts and the way he treats people and, and the words that come out of his mouth and the love that he has in his arms. You just focus on him and ask him to tell you how much he loves you and you'll see it. You'll see it everywhere. And you'll fall more deeply in love with Jesus again. Don't read the Bible because somebody told you to. No, read the Bible because the pastor told you to. But, but read the Bible because you want Jesus. Okay? Is that, like, obvious to you? That this is the reason we get into the book. This is the reason why you pray. We love Jesus more by getting to know him better. We learn more about how wonderful he is. You have neglected that some, haven't you? Oh, maybe some of you haven't, but a lot of us have. Loving Jesus is a response to what he's done for me. It always has been a response. It always will be a response. Loving Jesus is a response of what I've already received from him. It's a response to his spirit that he put in me. In fact, the Bible even says that, the, that God will pour out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which he has given to us. Where does love come from? Not primarily from knowing more things, but from the spirit of God who lives within us. And if your love is coldish these days, maybe you need a little fresh pouring. So what do you, how do you do that? You ask. You ask, and I want to tell you that's a prayer he will always answer. You pray, Lord, I want to love you more. And he will answer it. He will. If you're serious, oh, he will answer it. So consider again the depth and the power of the love of your master. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, you know it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he is faithful to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. How great is that? 2 Timothy 2.13, if I am unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never, no, never, ever forsake you. How do I know that he has this like rock solid love for me? How do how do I know it? Greater love has no one than this, than he lays down his life for his friends. And I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. He laid down his life for you. That's what we believe. Isn't it? Is that what we believe? That he laid down his life for us? You believe that? He's already proven his love for you, hasn't he? In so many ways, that's like the epitome, the greatest part. The third thing we, we, we need to do is then we need to do what he commanded us to do. So now comes the doing, right? There is doing in here. But the problem is we so often get it backward, particularly in Christian circles and particularly you know, from people like me who have focused on doing before loving, perhaps. So forgive me. But do, do stuff, do things, do what he has told you to do. For, for Peter, it was feed my sheep, feed my lambs. 
Peter, take care of my people. I think about Royal Family Kids Camp, and I, think, I don't know if there's a better like, example of feeding my sheep and caring for my people. But that's always been the message of God. If you love him, then do what he commands. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and love people. Love God and love people, right? And do it primarily because you love Jesus. For so many years of my life, I tried to do it because I was a pastor, because I was a leader, or because you're supposed to do good things. Like if you want to be a good Christian, you're, you're supposed to do thing, good things. And I realized there's needs everywhere, and there's good things that need to be done everywhere. And I was trying to be motivated by need and by good stuff that needs to be done. Are you? I don't know about you, but I figured out after a while that those things do not have the power to sustain me in continuing to love and continuing to do and to continue to serve. I would just get exhausted. And then I began to discover that if I love him more, he will pour more of his love out in my heart, and that will be power to love people, even really hard to love people. You know they're hard to love people? You might be sitting next to one. <laughs> or you know of some people that are a little bit hard to love, right? And, and so this whole thing about loving people like you love yourself, this is a challenge, right? How do you do that? You can only do that if, if you love the master. And he is the one who will give you the power to love. Some of you have figured that out in marriage. That's the, it's the only thing that will enable you to love with God's kind of love. I can love people because I love Jesus. I can serve because I love Jesus. I can give because I love Jesus. I can sacrifice because I love Jesus. I can take a risk of faith to do something that I think is nearly impossible for me to do because I love Jesus. Because even in doing that, the thing that happens to me is that I fall in love with Jesus even more. Have you noticed this? That when you actually do something, when you like pay the price to step out and meet a need or to love somebody, that what happens to you is he stirs up even greater love for you, in you? Does that happen to you? Hello? Does this happen to you? Yes, it does. This is the way it works. It's the way it's always worked. So he does say, be honest with yourself. Think about how much I have loved you. And then do. Do what I've commanded you. Don't get it backwards, though. Think about first about how much he loves you. So that's it, my friends. That's my message for you. The heart and center and joy of genuine Christianity is Jesus. It's always been Jesus. And the power of Christianity is he loves you and you love him. And he loves you with a love that's greater than anything you would ever be able to understand. I don't think even in eternity we're going to be able to fully grasp the love of God in Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons why we will worship him forever and ever. Because he will keep showing us more. For me, the greatest need I feel like I have in these days of my life is to love him more. What about you? I ask you the question again. 
Do you love him? Do you? We conclude our times together by taking the Lord's Supper. It's great. By this time, this time, listen to me now. This is not only a time to shut your brain off and say we're getting ready to go. This is a time to enter in now even more fully to what I've just said to you. Because this is an opportunity at this moment for you to grow a little bit more in your love for Jesus. You can do it now, today, in this moment. You can walk out of here and you can know that you have fallen a little bit more in love with Jesus by what you're about to do. If this is like this ritual for you, then it's nearly meaningless. Here's what I'd like to ask you to do. I'd like it when you come up here and you go and you take the piece of bread and the cup. When you get up and when you walk down and sort of stand in line for a minute, try to shut out other stuff and listen. And here's been my prayer for this morning. My prayer is that Jesus, in his great love for you, will whisper in your ear, do you love me? Do you love me? I pray that you will hear it. Do you love me? Now, in this moment, do you love me? I pray that you'll hear it. And then take the bread and the cup and then go back to your seat and sit down for a minute. And let me ask you to do something else. Look at them. Look at the little piece of bread and the cup. Look at the piece of bread and think again about what is this? And you know what it is. It's a symbol. It it's reminds us of the body of Jesus, which reminds us that Jesus came in the flesh. God put skin on so we could love him more. He came so that he could be a sin bearer for us. He came so that we could wrap our arms around and we could look into his eyes that we could see and touch and feel and know that he's real and he's much like us. He did it so you could love him. So look at the bread. And I hope he'll say to you in that moment, be quiet. I hope he'll say to you in that moment, do you see how much I love you? Do you see it? Do you? And then look at the little cup. It's really red. You know what it's about, right? It's a symbol of the blood of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this. And they lay down their lives for their friends. He not only came... He died. He sacrificed himself for you. Look at, before you take it, listen. Can God speak to you like that? Oh, yes. Just listen. Be quiet. And I pray that you'll hear him whisper to you, Do you see how much I love you? And when you hear the question, answer him. Answer him. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the measure of all the fullness of God. Tables are open. Come. come.